What's up, everybody? My name is Adam, and I'm the host of the You Know Adam Same podcast, the show that is dedicated on bringing on passionate people, learning about their stories, and delivering value to entrepreneurs. So if that's what you're interested in, go ahead and follow, like, and subscribe. You know what I'm saying? Welcome back to the You Know Adam Sang podcast. My name is Jim Walker. I'll be your host today. I'm here with one and only Statesboro's finest son, Adam Sang. Adam, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks I'm for the. <laughs> thank you so much for that intro. I'm glad to hear that, Adam. What have we been up to this week? We have been had a very interesting week. Uh, I guess it's perfect that you introed the podcast because I feel like my week has been turned completely upside down uh, ever since we've been working on this pitch competition that we're getting ready to go to uh, in two days. Yeah, less than two days, right? We leave in like 24 hours. Yeah. So, you know, again, this podcast is really meant for you know, entrepreneurs, but uh, this is a really unique take just because usually uh, this is actually a little bit outside of my comfort zone. I've never pitched at a pitch competition before, uh, but hopefully there's some value that can be brought to those people that are in the entrepreneur space that are looking to kind of grow and develop that. And we're going to do some really interesting things here. We're going to talk now and then also after the pitch competition just to get kind of like a little bit of feedback on, you know, our experience. So. Absolutely. So, Adam, give us a little bit of background on what we are getting ourselves into. What is this pitch conference and how did we find out about it? Yeah, so I'm not used to being the one that is interviewed, to be <laughs> honest with you. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you what we are. Uh, well, me, I don't know the answers. So. Well, you do know the answer, right? <laughs> so uh, we are part of a company called Whiskey Grail. Yep. Uh, you've actually been on the podcast before. I, I had a great time with you then. And we, if, if you haven't listened to that one, shame on you. <laughs> Go back and listen to it. It was a phenomenal episode. Completely yeah. unbiased. Yes, absolutely. So uh, about, I want to say I started looking at this competition probably sometime in December or so. Uh, it started coming up uh, on my radar. The Grit Conference is something that is put on by the phenomenal people over at Creative Coast. And they have developed this conference that really brings entrepreneurs together, uh, like-minded people together, and all in an effort to kind of help uh, drive the innovation that's happening in this area. And so while I was looking at this conference, there was a, a pitch competition that came up. And, you know, initially I was just like, yeah, I think, you know, why not put Whiskey Grow? And I remember uh, mentioning it to you in multiple different um, multiple different meetings that we had. Yeah. That, hey, we, we got this pitch competition. And as I, I'm actually quite known for this, it's like, you know, I have so many different ideas that oftentimes I'm throwing like, you know, things left and right. And people are just kind of like. Yeah, that's just another thing that Adam says. Uh, <laughs> but we get selected, right? So yeah. there's eight companies that are pitching. Um, oh, so there was actually a selection process. Yes, for us yes, to get in. Okay. exactly. See, I didn't exactly. know this. You didn't know this? I didn't know this. I thought we just threw our hat in the ring and they were like, we'll take anybody. No, 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 no. There was <laughs> definitely a selection process. Uh, and we made it to kind of like this round. And we're getting ready to pitch on Friday. Yeah. Uh, the pitch competition is for about $10,000 uh, worth of prizes. And we are going to be sitting in front of a panel of VCs. Uh, for those that don't know, that is uh, venture capitalists uh, that are looking to kind of um, looking for our pitch, kind of like picking it apart. Uh, we have five minutes on stage and then three minutes of questioning. And um, yeah, man, I think that's kind of like 
answered that question, to say the least. Yeah, definitely. So that's given us the background. Uh, what have we done to prepare for this pitch con? Obviously, this is a big deal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's there's a lot of money on the table. Yep. Um, what have we done to actually prepare for this? Well, I'll give my answer, then you can give yours. Um, you know, we've been spending a ton of time um, within this, especially this past weekend. Um, we just kind of like spent a lot of time with each other to the point where I think we're <laughs> sick and tired of each other. You know, it's kind of like one of those things where uh, the more you time you spend with, with, with people, you just start, no, I'm just kidding. So it's been a great experience. Uh, I think we've gone through the, the presentation about 60 times. Yeah, about uh, 60 plus. 70 or so times, I think. And we're not done yet. No. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we're, we're going to run it through it uh, uh, quite a few more times. And uh, I wanted to, also wanted to ask you, uh, what do you think about kind of like the support that we've gotten um, uh, from the business innovation group like organization? Absolutely. So uh, we are really blessed, actually, I think, to be uh, here at the Georgia Southern Business Innovation Group. Mm. There's really some phenomenal minds uh, at work here in, in the realm of small business acceleration and small business development. Um in particular, you know, Catherine Blake. Shout uh, out, who, Catherine. Shout out, Catherine. She's phenomenal. Uh, she's really been helping coach us through kind of our pitch mm. and setting up our, our pitch deck and our our, um, our script and everything. Uh, and also Dominic, of course, has been uh, instrumental in this um, and given us some good pointers. Uh, and uh, they've been actually very interesting, right, because their opinions actually sometimes differ. Yeah. Right? Um, and ultimately, I think that just – gives us a stronger pitch because mm. we're able to weigh those different opinions and see what fits best in our pitch and for our particular application. So that's been really fantastic. I believe we sat down three or four times now with Catherine, and then you sat down, I think, once with Dominic. Yep. Um, so they've really spent a, a pretty good amount of time, about five hours of their time uh, with us coaching us through this. And actually, maybe even a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe six or seven hours. I, I would encourage anyone that has an idea to really like it, it's about the people that you surround yourself with. Absolutely. Right? Like, I, I definitely think that if we had gone in without kind of like being in a space where innovation and like minded people and business people are at, I think we would come out with a very maybe we would have done okay, but it would be an inferior product because, right. you know, the experience that Catherine had, I, I think she mentioned during, like, while we were talking, is she used to run these pitch competitions. Yeah, so like, she's pers- run Shark Tanks in, I think, Wisconsin or whatever. Uh, Boston, Boston, <laughs> Boston. Boston. She's yeah, there beat it is. you for that. Yeah, I'm sorry, Catherine. Um, there's a lot that I have had to memorize this week. Uh, <laughs> yes, it was still a lot to memorize still. But I, I think that the point is that, you know, for those entrepreneurs out there that have an idea, that want to pitch to VCs, that have never done it before. And again, like this is very much outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. Usually I'm the one that's listening to business ideas and saying, yeah, like I would do this, I would do that. Uh, but this side of it and being able to prepare for this has been such a blessing. Uh, and, and I encourage people to kind of like get outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Never be afraid of doing something that is different. Don't be scared, even if it's uncomfortable. You were feeling it earlier this week, you know, like, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want. That's exactly what yeah. you said. Well, I, I, I think what it, I was very tired of the of the pitch. Okay. Right. So uh, as we said earlier, you know, we went over the pitch over the just over the weekend. We went through the pitch like 50, 60 times. Yeah. Uh, which if you math that out at a perfect five minutes 
per iteration. That's like ten hours almost of of pitch. Well, well to be fair, <laughs> there were some speed rounds. We yeah. So we we actually one of the things that I think actually really helped us was we made it fun. Yep. Right. So we got to like maybe twenty or thirty uh, iterations, and we were really starting to drag. And we did funny voices. Yes. Uh, we were like, I'm Adam Sang, <laughs> and I'm Jim Walker, and we discovered the whiskey grain. <laughs> you know, and then we just do the pitch like that because it was fun and it made us laugh, mm. you know. And then, <laughs> and then you know, uh, one of the things that Catherine was telling us is you, know, you make sure you take your time, hit your pauses, let the emphasis just kind of sit, mm. you know. Um, but we were like, we got to get through this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's see how fast we can do it. I think we got it down to what was our best time? Uh, three sixteen. Three minutes sixteen seconds was our fastest time. It, it's so interesting <clears throat> to me. You know, I, I think about kind of like entrepreneurship and like you know the business world, and you know I, I think that even within this process, you really get to see you know people meeting a challenge. Absolutely. Right. It's like, you know, this sucks. Like, I, I actually <laughs> don't want to repeat these same words ever again. Yeah. But you make it interesting, you make it fun, and you kind of like push through. And I think that, uh, you know, the first time that we showed Catherine, I think she was very surprised. Yeah. Uh, she was like, oh my God, like these guys actually p- took some time and effort into <laughs> it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's, um, that's almost verbatim what she said. She was expecting, you know, like we're to come in and not know our lines. I think that you know? also had a lot to do with the fact that like she messaged me and I just didn't say anything back. <laughs> this is also like just typical Adam saying branded stuff. It's like, you know, I, I, I will do what I want and, you know, march to the beat of my own drum. Uh, but regardless, you know, Catherine has been an extremely valuable asset. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about maybe the structure of a pitch. Now now that we now that we we've know got one under our belt. Yeah. This is actually really interesting to me because mm. I I think would have structured the pitch almost entirely different. Yeah. Um I probably would have led in maybe a similar way where you kind of have we so you'll see the pitch maybe maybe we'll send a recording yep. of the pitch sure um in the episode or at the end of the episode maybe um i think i probably would have started kind of similarly where we have the introduction of like what is the whiskey grail mm. um but i i think i probably would have focused a lot more like i guess like on the hard numbers up front uh-huh. would have just been my instinct because like that's the content that absolutely must happen yeah Right. Um, and then leave kind of the story for the end. Mm. Um, but that's not really how we've set this up. And I think this actually flows much better because yep. we have the numbers and the stories intertwined. That's right. Right. And so the number, if you just have the numbers up front, I think you, you maybe, it depends on your investor panel, right? Sure. But I think you risk losing the interest of the crowd, Correct. basically, because you just are, come across as boring. That's right. Right. And then um, when you come into the story at the end, it doesn't really matter because you've already lost them, right? And it's really hard to get them back because mm-hmm. um, now they're already on their phones or whatever, right? Yeah. 
so I think the way that we have it set up and with Catherine's guidance, you know, she actually put us on to uh, basically like the Airbnb yep. pitch deck model. Which is a very popular model to work off of. Mm-hmm. And I think for good reason. Yep. You know, it gets across like all. And also, like, I would have had a hard time pulling out like the most relevant pieces of information. That's and right. like the market research. Like also, like Catherine helped us so much with like the market research in terms yeah. of like getting the actual numbers for what we expect the market to be able to do. Yeah. Um, which I think is hugely uh, valuable. Yeah. You know, like I, I would have had no idea how to do that. Yeah. I, I don't even uh, think I would have gone that to route. do that. Yeah. Right. Um, we probably just would have relied on our own sales data, which is good, you know, collect all the data that you can yeah. because that data is the lifeblood of, in my opinion, you know, like knowledge is power. Sure. Quite literally. Sure. You know, so that data is the lifeblood of, of your organization. That's right. Because if you, if you don't know what you're doing, how on earth can you possibly do it better? Yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. Um, but the ability of Catherine to kind of come in and say like, this is what they are looking for. That's right. That experience and that knowledge is so important. Mm-hmm. And I've actually, um, and you can do it without it, right? Like, so I taught myself blacksmithing, right? Sure. You can learn skills on your own. Mm-hmm. But having an instructor or a mentor, it, it just is a multiplier for 100%. the speed at which you can bring 100%. it up. 100%. Um, it's just because they have experience, right? Because how, they have experience. How, how else yeah. are you going to be able to compact, you know, 20, 30 years of living into like a short period of time? You, you can't. can't do it. You, you just can't. can't do it. And so, like, you know, I think a lot of times, and I think that might be the point that you're driving home is like, look for the mentor. Absolutely. Look for the person that can help you. I mean, I, I we, we've been running, you know, Whiskey Grill for about two years now, mm-hmm. right? And look, it's been fun. It's been kind of like, you know, this, this side hustle that both of us are really into. But now that we have this deck, it's really like opened my eyes to how... Like, this is real. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, like, that's crazy. Like, you know, you don't... Yeah. You, we, I didn't start Whiskey... I, I mean, I always had this idea of like, oh, this is going to work, this is going to work. But actually putting numbers behind it and Absolutely. like being able to like have that unfold. And it, and it actually is very attainable, right? Yes. Because, and we've, cause we've done the math to back it up. That's right. Right. And so it's just like 15,000 units a year. Yeah. I mean, that is actually like very achievable. Sure. You know, that's about 300 grails a week. That's right. We already do almost half of that. That's right. That's right. You know, so it, it's really the, you know, the point at which things click you know, is just so much more clear. Yeah. I think it's extremely invigorating. That's right. So even if you're not doing a pitch deck, yeah. maybe one of the takeaways from this is like sit down, do your math, yeah. do your market research, see what the point is that it all clicks. Do, do you think that if we would have done this earlier on, so maybe not the pitch competition, right? but rather like like going through like developing the deck, it would have changed anything? Or did we need to have? I think kind we of needed like, the data, right? Mm. So because uh, so our first year in business, we were really getting set up. Yes. So I would not consider the data from our first year in business very useful. Sure. Just because you know a lot of it's family and friends. Yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. You know, which is not which is not bad. I mean, I, you know, that's great. We appreciate. We you. really love. We, your, we appreciate yeah, yeah. you, family <laughs> we, and friends. We love. Don't the, take this. As yeah, a we knock. love your support, but your data is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but the data is skewed, right? Like, so the family and the friends, they do skew the data, especially in the first year yeah. when they were a significant percentage of our sales. Sure. 
In the second year, our sales, I think, really stood on their own a lot more. Sure. Right. So, you know, we're selling to businesses in the wholesale game. We're selling to individuals online. We're shipping them all over the country, all over the nation, and even a few to, uh, you know, across the world. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so I think, and of course, our sales numbers are larger. Sure. Right. So they're more statistically significant. Sure. Sure. Um, so I think having that data is was very critical to the success of our mathematics yeah right i don't think you can do that math without the data yeah or it becomes very difficult because it just feels like you're making stuff up well i think in here like you know uh, people t- always talk about like the business plan the right. business plan and and i go into a lot of things with <laughs> zero no plan I, yeah seriously i i think you know i i think back to kind of like i, I had a Oh, I forgot his name. I think it was like Matthew. is not Matthew. It was one of the guys uh, that was out of Savannah. He was like Savannah Bananas. He worked like financing. I remember him. I he did the, like you yeah. know business like plans directly. Yeah. And I was like, man, I don't know. That's just not my style, right? right? But but I honestly going through this experience, I think you know really brought some value to thinking things through absolutely um so entrepreneurs business people out there like there's no doubt in my mind that you know work obviously absolutely like, you, have, you can't just like oh pull numbers you know from right behind your say, ass yeah. they say like oh let's throw this uh but do spend the time to kind of like you know work through those problems and and be a part of a community uh, that is out there that can help you grow yeah um i mean i think that it's just been Wonderful. It's been Absolutely. an amazing experience. Yeah. I want to come back to the challenge aspect okay. of this. I think that in challenges, you really see kind of the core of who people are. Yeah. Uh, what are some ways, I guess, specifically that this has challenged you and then us, right? And like kind of our partnership, our dynamic, and how have we, how have we managed to come to meet that challenge? Huh. I think for me, uh, it's definitely put me out of my comfort zone. I I think I mentioned that earlier. Uh, I am more used at this point in my career. I am very used to being the shot caller. Right. Right. The, 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 the person who judges. Right. And this has really like flipped that on on my head because I'm like, okay, I'm back in the in the trenches now, right? right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, like you, please, please let me, you know, <laughs> give me the VC money, give yeah. me, like you know. So I think that within itself was very uh, challenging, but also so invigorating. It made me feel so much, like it made me feel alive. Yeah, like honestly. Um, but then the the second part of that is kind of, you know, how did we meet come together and meet that challenge? I think from both of our sides, there's a willingness. Right. Right. If you ask someone in, you know, just out there that, hey, this weekend you are going to spend 10 hours <laughs> saying the same lines over and over and over again, I don't think that you're going to get what you're looking for no like like it's just not it's just not there you know and and the fact that both of us are like you know obviously we both have these are this is really our side hustle right this is kind of like our our project that we're working on together um the fact that we were both able to come together and like just spend time on it work through our difference even though like towards the end man i was just like (laughs) i can't take anymore but I, i think you know 
it made us stronger. It made it, the bond like that much more meaningful. And I think, you know, overall, just a great experience. How about for you? What, yeah. what do you think? So I think like one of the biggest stressors in this whole thing has really been the time mm. because you and I are both already very busy people. Yeah. Um, and so just the, the, you know, the added on, you know, 10 hours over the weekend <laughs> and then an additional probably like three or four hours a night, yeah. to, you know, up every night to tonight yeah. and probably, you know, another four hours tomorrow night, you know, has really been, um, very stressful, <laughs> you know, um, just because of balancing all those responsibilities and then, um, you know, worrying, you know, like, oh, we don't have our, and then also like we changed our lines. Yes. Right. Cause we met with Catherine on, what was it? Monday. Yes. And we changed some of our lines. There was a huge mistake in there. Yeah. And, and I'm and, so glad that she caught it because if we were on stage and it would have been caught, oh, would we been would destroy. Just absolutely destroyed. Destroyed. And she was like, you know, this doesn't make sense. And we had been looking at it so much, like, during yeah. that period that we didn't even see it. Absolutely. And and so maybe that's another thing that you really could take away from this and learn from our mistakes is get other people's eyes on it as fast as you can. Yes. Um, because, uh, you know, if we, we would be, you know, literally, you know, like 12 hours ahead of the game right now if we had changed our script on Friday. But, but see, here's another thing is also the other step of asking for help. So like yeah. with Dom, like, you know, Dom's busy too. Absolutely. You know, and and, and uh, I kind of like put together a recording that we did because we've been recording mm. ourselves, like mm. going through it uh, just to kind of like be able to look back, make sure our posture, so forth and so forth is good. Sent him one of the cleaner takes, didn't want him to see us like <laughs> stumbling through it. Like, dude, we are not oh, helping man. these guys. Yeah. They are out on a path. Like, you know, uh, but, you know, being able to make that step and saying, hey, look, we need help. Please right. get, be, please let your eyes look over this and give us advice has been yeah. par part of the part of the game. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that uh, at least I have found um, I have difficulty asking for help. Do you? <laughs> I do. Uh, you don't say. Uh, yeah, I know. Right. Uh, <laughs> those of you who know me, I'm sure will know uh, exactly what you're talking about. Uh, you know, I'm the kind of guy yeah, I, I walk into Lowe's. I'll look. I'll look for like 30 minutes before I think about asking somebody like, where is this thing? Because I just feel like I should know where it is. Like as, as a craftsperson, as a man, as, as I, so, Jim Walker, so I ought to know where that thing the is. The interesting part of that is I have <laughs> zero problems just right. being like, yo, like, you know, show, take, take me, take me to your leader right. and show me where the stuff is. Right. right. Um, but I think it works, right? It does. Like, it's it just does. like the pairing works. In fact, fun fact, I don't know if I should say this. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> say it. The it. initial script of our uh, our pitch. Oh, we're talking oh. about chat GPT. <laughs> chat GPT. This is really And I just saw, like, it was, like, one of those things. I didn't want to show up to, like, Catherine, like, empty-handed. So <laughs> I was like, yo, chat GPT. Write me a script. Write me a oh, – so for those that don't know, chat GPT is uh, artificial intelligence that – it's in the form of maybe just this uh, like query search, right? Where you are typing in certain things and can and can produce things. So, for right. example, uh, one of the things <clears throat> we gave it was um, a sea shanty uh, about thermodynamics, yep. and it was able to write it in the correct pentameter. Is that like the right uh, phrasing? At least close enough that I couldn't tell the difference, not being musically inclined. Sure. Of course, Chat GPT didn't understand what whiskey grill was, and so I put in there like, okay, let's uh, let's do charred white oak drinking vessel. 
That's really what you put in. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. So Adam and I, this is one of the, we did not, uh, we, we, we probably spent about 16 to 20 hours together over the weekend. We did not spend all of that just going over pitch decks. Uh, some of that was spent. I discovered ChatGPT. Mm. Super fun. Uh, we threw it some thermodynamic. I'm I'm an engineering background. We threw it some questions about thermodynamics, and it actually did like fairly okay. Uh, we had a discussion about like what this means for the education system, which is was a really a really interesting discussion. Um, that we we went into some rabbit holes, but ChatGPT I actually found to be very fun mm. um, because you can really just throw it an idea and then let it kind of elaborate on that a little bit. And then you can use, you can turn that back around and then add in more things. And I think for me, it was really fun because I could just kind of be creative without really having to do a lot of work. Mm. <laughs> right. Like I had it put together um, a, a commercial Jingle. A jingle. I yeah. didn't do a jingle. Oh, we did some limericks. We, yeah. Yeah. And Haikus. some, some she, sea shanties about thermodynamics. That was fun. Um, we did, I, I did like a commercial for my uh, 65 Ford F100 with puppies. Yes. Right. I mean, it was just a lot of fun. Um, you know, but also like you really could see like the, the raw power behind so, it. So what's the take, right? Like, you, you know, we, we talked about this online, um, whether or not AI should be allowed in schools, in schools, in every anything, because right. like AI is going to change the landscape. I think I read a statistic somewhere that, or, or not a, a tweet somewhere that uh, uh, Microsoft is getting ready to purchase basically to technology to put into their work. Like Chat work. GPT. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I think you have. This is really an interesting conversation that we've. I've really been having this conversation actually since I began college. Yeah. Right. Uh, we had like first year experience program was we talked about like the way that uh, technology, particularly automation systems like chat GPT or like, um, you know, Google Translate even are uh, for one of the first times in history are, are really well, they're being very disruptive. These are very disruptive technologies. Um, but for the first time in history, well, I want to, I won't say that. We think <laughs> that this is the first time in history that these innovations might not create more jobs than they destroy. Right. So, so like self-driving cars, right? Like, I don't remember the exact statistic, but I, it, it's like one in five or one in six of every job in the United States is transportation related. Mm. Whether that be trucking, taxi driving, Uber, Lyft, whatever it is, um, you know that, that's like a sixth of the jobs that are out there. Sure, I, I think that statistic could be wrong, but it's a significant percentage. I mean, self-driving cars destroy all of that. You know, you don't. It's, you don't need them. You don't need them anymore. You know, because and, and you know maybe for a while, uh, you know, we'll be able to politically stall this or there'll be movement anyway but i don't think you can change that right like no that, you that's, can't. The, that's the way that right the like world. so the, the the way that our systems are set up it rewards cost savings mm -hmm. and inevitably you know labor is one of the most and we i mean you know we see this in our own sure. assembly lines and stuff labor is far and away the largest cost to production sure and it doesn't really matter what industry you're in that's 
generally the case. But I think the point could be argued that this this because there's there's the old guard, right? Which right. is like the people that used to work in those industry. Right. And if you're a brand new guy that just got into taxi driving and all of a sudden there's AI, that really sucks for yes. you. And I feel for you. Yes. But the question I would have is if this is technology is kind of like the way that, that it's moving towards, which right. I don't think that we can stop. No. Will that free up our time or those employees or those people that are in those industries to focus on something else? Short, to, to, yeah. to, to work on something else? So short answer, yes. Sure. The longer answer is I think we have to be very careful in how we set it up. Right. As as a society, as a as a government, whatever you want to do. But you you have to make sure that there are pathways for those individuals to be able to do those things. Right. Mm. Because, um, you know, retraining takes time. It takes effort. It takes labor um, and money. Right. Mm -hmm. And if suddenly, you know, these people are out of work, they're not going to have as much money. Right? Sure. So we need to be very careful. And, and I think this is really important to be starting like right now. You know, so if, you know, for all of our political listeners, you know, we need to be thinking very, very hard about how we help people transition to new livelihoods. Mm once the AI take over their jobs, <laughs> right? Um, once the robots take over, how does our society function? Um, because one of the things that you really see with this, and maybe this, uh, I want to be careful not to get too political, but I think we're going to see this technology really drive the the wealth gap a lot further mm. if, we, if, if we are not very, very careful in how we set this up. How, why, why would that, what would make you say that? So basically, um, let's take it at the most basic level, right? So I own, let's say I'm the owner of, of Whiskey Grail, mm. right? And right now we employ three people sure. on our production line. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, right now we're currently working on an automation project. Correct. Actually. Um, and the purpose of, of our particular automation project is actually to eliminate the use of table saws in our production line. Correct. Because they're dangerous and um, scary, basically. Correct. Um, but another very important benefit of why we're doing this is that it will reduce the cost of our product. Sure. Right? So we'll make more profit. Yeah. So let's say that our automation happens. It works really well. We're happy with it. So now we have like kind of these two different scenarios. We can either take our th same three employees and we can just turn up our production. We can produce way more product. Or let's assume <clears throat> for a moment that we're already at market cap. We're selling all the product that we can, mm -hmm. right? Well, now I have another employee that I don't really have anything for them to do. But see, I-, I, I You know, so you're going to cut them. Yes. Either through attrition or directly. But that would have happened. Like I would say that that would have happened either way. Right. I think the question at hand is: Do you think that our that our society is going to get smarter? <laughs> or, well, well, hear me out. So, let me go back. Go back. To okay. That, right. So that third person is now out of a job. If we haven't, let's assume that we have done nothing. Right to to retrain them to gear them for a change, they're just out of a job because now they don't have the skill set that we as a company need. Correct. However, if as automation is coming online, we can say to this person, "Hey, 
this is what's coming down the road. We want to work with you to make sure that you still have a place in our company when the job that you currently fulfill is no longer necessary. Mm -hmm. And we can retrain that person and we can work with that person to learn sales skills or graphic skills or whatever it is, right? So that when the automation replaces them, now we have another salesperson. Mm -hmm. Now we have another graphics designer. Now we have another whatever, you know? So like, that's kind of what I'm saying, right? It's like the, you know, the, the, the growth of the technology is largely inevitable. It's how we respond to it and how we prepare for it that will make the difference. But I think that that's such a, it is a way to look at it. Meaning that, you know, if you are able to find uh, a place for them within your organization, that's a great thing. Right. I, I think from a culture standpoint, that's exactly what business owners should be doing. Right. Uh, but I think that, you know, for me, the, the conversation around AI is more about, okay, if these are the robots that are able to kind of like be very consistent. Right. Will it allow that person more opportunity or less opportunity? And I think while the business owner has some responsibility of guiding that, right. that person themselves also has a oh, lot of absolutely. the responsibility to, to, to guide that. Yes. And so the question on the larger scale, which is kind of like what, we, what I was trying to talk about, was like, does AI make our society... Is it going to be a benefit or is it going to be more of a detriment? I mean, I think it's probably going to be both, right? So I, I think we can look at social media sure. as a good model for this because uh, social media, uh, for those of you who are not aware. Uh, what is social media? I don't know what social media is. Uh, I, <laughs> social media, for, for those of you who are not aware, has really been at the center of uh, really like a small business craftsperson boom. Um, and I've actually kind of grown up in that. Yeah. Right? So, um, you know, I was 12 years old. I got into knife making. And like at that time, like everything was flourishing mm -hmm. in the knife making. And it still is. Right. But like the knife making community was really making a big comeback. Uh, and a lot of these small communities were like leather workers and, and, and craftspeople of all different kinds were really making a huge comeback because the social media allows them and allows us, right, because we are falling into category as well. Spread their craft. To, yeah, just to get in front of the people who are actually interested in what they have to sell. Like it basically brings down the marketing that you need to spend in order to reach your client. Sure. Right? And because you can create this community of people that actually follows you and follows your content, you can actually basically create your customer base that will follow you around and buy your stuff, right? And, and I've actually seen this work to great effect in the knife making community that I've been a part of. Um, so social media in that regard has been an enormous boon. It is a, it has literally allowed people to live out their dreams of professional knife making, professional blacksmithing, professional leather working, I mean, whatever it is, you mm -hmm. know, and create businesses around their passion. You know, so I think that is unequivocally a good thing. Mm. I mean, but there also is like the dark side of social media, which is that, you know, in a lot of ways it drives uh, certain factors like anxiety and depression. Mm. It has, I think, really shortened our attention span as a, as a, as a society. Mm. Um, I think, I mean, I've been 
I actually don't have social media anymore because I think it's just that toxic for me particularly mm-hmm. because it really just like hijacks my brain and get into the scrolling loop. Yeah. Um, and I just I ended up coming to the point where I was like, this is just not healthy. Yeah. And I just had to unplug. Um, but, you know, so I think in a similar way, AI will be both beneficial and detrimental. Sure. Um, I think AI is really going to... I mean, this is a really big question, right? I think AI is really going to uh, push the creative boundaries of what we're able to do. And again, this comes back to whether or not we handle this right. Mm -hmm. I think if we handle it right, it will allow more people to invest in themselves Mm. and invest in their passions and learn more, right? So like, this is actually one of the things I really thought was fun about ChatGPT was I threw it a script for for the commercial, right, for my F100. I, for a long time, have actually been interested in being uh, in learning like video production. Um, but I was like, oh, I, I need a script. I need a whatever. Chat GPT gave me the script. Mm. Was it perfect? No. Would I have tweaked it? Maybe. But, you know, it gave me something and it gave me shot lists. It gave me, I mean, it, it really like it's like comes in on a shot of the driver's side, you know, like with somebody in the passenger seat driving down the road. I mean, that's your shot. You know, so that allow, would allow me to just go out, get my shots, practice that aspect of the craft, and then iterate. Mm. So I think that's a hugely powerful tool. But then you have the flip side of it is now I don't have to develop the script writing capability. Mm. Um, and I think that there will, be, there will be people who will rely on that, and that will result in a deficiency of the actual skill that they could learn and that will prevent them from mastering the skill. I think bottom line is this, uh, Chad GPT is going to become your daddy. And that's pretty <laughs> much uh, what we have for that. Yeah. Um, that was a rabbit hole. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> definitely a 20-minute uh, sidestep. We got, we got um, a whole other podcast out Yeah, of I know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to be a really interesting time. I think it's something that is coming up more and more often just because it is on the forefront. It like, came out of, like, that. this is the year for ChatGPT. Yeah. Uh, j- uh, just AI in general. I'm seeing so much technology in that realm. Um, and also, also the year for Whiskey Grill. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, bringing it back. Bringing it back to what the reason why we're 2023, here. 2023, the year of the grail. Um, the year of the grail. Uh, year of the rabbit, actually. Oh, is it? Yes. Okay. It okay. is a big year for the rabbit. Um, interesting enough, uh, usually if it is the rabbit year, uh, people of that year is unlucky. Mm. But for whatever reason, this year has been uh, the the fortune tellers or the, the people that have the knowledge say that it's actually the best year for the rabbit. So thank you. Uh, good luck to all you rabbits out there. There you go. And uh, good luck to Whiskey Grail. Um, you know, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I realize that this episode is a little bit different than what you guys are used to, uh, but I appreciate your guys' support. And uh, cheers. Cheers. And hail to the grail. Hail to the grail. The following is the Whiskey Grill speech at the GRIT conference. Enjoy. I'm Adam Sang. And I'm Jim Walker. We discovered the Whiskey Grill. We've redefined the whiskey drinking experience. Why would you drink fine bourbon from a glass when you could enjoy the bourbon experience from a charred white oak drinking vessel? 
made from the same traditional wood that is used to age and flavor the finest. The legend of the Whiskey Grail began one day when I had to dream up a bespoke gift for a close family friend. It had to be handcrafted, unique, and celebratory. The Whiskey Grail emerged from hardy American white oak, the same oak that was used to build Old Ironsides, the Revolutionary War vessel that is now a museum in the Boston Harbor. The Whiskey Grail created itself through our human hands and our American traditions. It told us to scorch the inside to create the desired smoky flavor that is neither overpowering nor subtle. The Grail uh, shaped its design um, to bring out the true essence and aroma of fine whiskey. In fact, the slats of the Whiskey Grail mimic the same slats of the large oak barrels in which bourbon, scotch, and rye whiskeys are aged. It's literally as if you're drinking directly out of a bourbon barrel. <laughs> According to Data Intello, the global whiskey glass market is $3.1 billion in size. If we take 20% for the US market, we are looking at $620 million of whiskey glass sold in the States. The Georgia market can be an estimated $20 million based on population. In 2022, we did nearly $100,000 worth of sales. Specifically, in Statesboro, Georgia, our local market, we did $16,500 of sales of whiskey grape. Using the population ratio from Statesboro to the state of Georgia, we estimate there is a $2.4 million market opportunity for Whiskey Grail in the state of Georgia alone. Whiskey Grails are manufactured and produced at Georgia Southern University's Business Innovation Group right up the road from Savannah in Statesboro, Georgia. Our B2C strategy is to, uh, is to use marketing is done with social media and Whiskey Grails are sold online. Our B2B goal is to continue to create customized grails to be sold to wholesalers, distilleries, and hospitality venues. Our Whiskey Grails are handcrafted using 100% American white oak, which is sustainably sourced right here on the East Coast before it is kiln dried and milled. Our artists create each grail individually before it is scorched with fire to finish. The interplay between the scent of the char, the oak, and the whiskey improves the notes, engages the senses, and orchestrates the drinking experience. Raw Report Lifestyle for the 12 best whiskey drinking glasses for 2022 range from the typical Glencairn to the fine cut crystal of Baccarat and Waterford. These glasses range from $11 in price to $177 per glass. Whiskey Grills currently sell for $30 online. Let me introduce you to the team. This is Adam Sang, entrepreneur, connoisseur, and lover of hospitality. Yeah! He's in public relations, social media, real estate, and of course, Whiskey Grail. And this is Jim Paul Walker, manufacturer, engineer, blacksmith, woodworker, old soul, and most importantly of all, creative dude extraordinaire. <laughs>
And these are our wonderful production team members, Nathan and Rose, artists and craftspersons in their own right. We are looking for, uh, we, we're looking for about 12 months of financing to manufacture 15,000 units. Mm -hmm. With that, we, our plan is to create 15,000 units and then generate $325,000 worth of sales. This is a whiskey business, not a risky one. <laughs> so thank you for your time. Cheers, Cheers and hail to the ground. ground.